Today, we, we started a journey looking at the heroes of the Scripture. Those that are not heroes in the eyes of the world, but who are heroes in the eyes of God. And that's a very, two very different fraternities there. As we see with, with Moses here, who we'll be looking at today, um, he was flawed, broken, inconsistent, capable of evil, um, empty, saw himself as nothing before God, but then reluctantly walked with God, growing in love and obedience in the call that God had for him. Even in the, that little video clip that we would capture in the beginning of Exodus. Because Moses is, is one who is called by God to bring God's people, the nation of Israel, out of slavery. They're in, enslaved by Pharaoh and in, in Egypt. And now Moses is going to be the one to lead them into freedom. I mean, a huge act of faith and trust and sacrifice from one who is broken, unstable, reluctant, yet faithful to be empowered and led by God. That ultimately is a biblical hero. One who in their brokenness, one who is reluctant, uh, one who is incomplete, but faithfully coming back to God, growing in obedience and love for Him. And that's what we'll look at through this um, season. That's what we'll look at today as we take a look at Moses, um, particularly in the book of Exodus, uh, found on page, starts on page 43. That's where we'll, we'll start as we look at this first biblical hero. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks um, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your call upon us. And we come before you needing your leading and guiding and strengthening us. Um, we want to know what it means to do what we've just been singing about. What does it mean to adore you, God? What does it mean to love you? And not just to have nice emotional experiences. Not just to feel good. But what does it mean for us to truly be your people. Help us. Speak to us. Lead us. We want to, to love you in the fullness of that term, even reluctantly, even imperfectly, trusting and depending on your perfection, on your goodness. So help us. Speak to us in the ways that you have gifted us and called us to be your heroes. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Genesis uh, or Exodus uh, chapter 2 um, and actually in your uh, um, bulletin you'll notice near the, the notes it says Genesis you can cross out Genesis and put Exodus in those places that was a brain fart you know, somewhere I can, uh, I, I can blame it on jet lag or something <clears throat> um, if you want or getting old uh, or a combination of those things but we're in Exodus um, chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. 
his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Now, this is the birth story of, of Moses. And uh, you can see it was a, a very tumultuous time. The, 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 this was a time when the Egyptians were really trying to squish and oppress the Hebrews. And they were um, even threatening to kill the, the babies when they're born. So Moses' um, mother or, uh, is, uh, then has the baby, keeps him for three months. Um, without anybody knowing about it. Now, to be quite honest, um, that may be the greatest miracle of the story right there. I I can't imagine how you keep a baby for three months and nobody around you knows where they are and the baby's still alive after three months. And then she gets to that point and where she's not going to be able to keep the baby anymore and makes a, a little basket, puts him in the river, lets him go down the river, and then the daughter follows along. And, and the rest of the story tells how people from Pharaoh's family then get the, the basket and they find the baby. They claim the baby and raise the baby in Pharaoh's family. And it's actually Pharaoh's family that names him Moses. Now, this, this particular part of the story, who's the hero? It's not Moses. It's his mother. It's his sister. It's the, the ones, because without the mother doing such a heroic act, of having the baby, keeping the baby, keeping him away from all the rest that want to harm him, and then following along, putting him, taking a risk of putting him in the river, there would be no Moses. The, the key, one of the key things that you have to know about biblical heroes is they never work alone. They are not a product of pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. They are, they are not a product of their, their own skills and ability. Moses had absolutely nothing to do with the heroic act by his mother and his sister. There are no lone rangers when it comes to biblical heroes. There are no lone rangers uh, when it comes to the, the heroes in the eyes of God. Now, um, Kathy, my wife, and I just had a wonderful opportunity of taking a, a Reformation tour through parts of Western Europe, Germany and France and, and Switzerland, where, where we had the privilege of being in the places and hearing more details around the people in the, the history of the church 500 years ago, where they took heroic stands. Um, they, they took heroic actions in, in order to reform and renew and revive the church then. Some of the people um, you may have heard their names before, like Martin Luther. Yeah? You may know there's a Lutheran church over here on Winton and, um, uh, what is that, North Bend or Gross, uh, I always forget them mixed, uh, or uh, Galbraith over there by the Wendy's. There's a Lutheran church Right there. Yeah, now the Wendy's. Now you know where it is, yeah. Uh, the Lutheran, that, that's, well, they were named for Martin Luther. And for us Presbyterians, uh, the, 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 the person we really um, uh, go back to is a guy named John Calvin. And so we got to be in places where they grew up, where they preached, where they, um, where, where they went to school, and, and those kind of, of things. And, and they were very active in the reformation of the church. I mean, 500 years ago, there, there, were, there wasn't a Protestant church. They just didn't exist. You know, I mean, in, in, Western, in the Western Europe and that part of the world, you know, there was the, the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic, but it was, it was the church. 
then. And there, there were no Baptists or Methodists or Anglicans or Holiness churches or Pentecostal churches. They, they just didn't exist. They weren't around. And, and what Luther, Martin Luther, did was he saw a lot of the abuses of the church in that day. And it was bad. I mean, it was bad stuff. I mean, nobody today agree, um, disagrees with, the, what, with what Luther was saying about what was bad in the church. Because basically what the, the church was doing then is they were selling forgiveness. You know, whereas with, you know, when we're, we're up here every Sunday, we, we offer forget, forgiveness in the name of Jesus freely. Right? And, and we say we confess and God gives it. Well, then it was, in essence, it was selling it. And what had happened was the church had gotten involved in a really ambitious building project. They are building some really big buildings in Rome. And if you ever go there, you'll see them. Um, they're very big. And it took a lot of money. And so what the leaders of the church basically said is we got to push indulgences. Uh, where that's where they sold indulgences in order to purchase forgiveness. And you could even, you know, almost uh, um, uh, like a TV commercial, and just for a little bit more, you can buy forgiveness for your dead relatives um, as well. And, uh, and like I said, that's bad. That's wrong. Nobody today would agree that that was a good thing, but it was happening in those days. So things were in a bad place. And Luther saw that. Martin Luther saw that. And, and he stood up to say, no, we, we can't be doing this. Is, this is not what the Bible teaches. And so we have to stop doing that. And the church, the existing church, which is often the case, usually institutions will protect themselves whether they're wrong or right. And the church did that then. And they excommunicated Luther, pushed him out of the church, um, and sentenced him to, to die, but he didn't... Uh, they never were able to carry out that, that sentence. And his work led to both the reforming of the church then and then the development of what we have today as the Protestant church. Um, and so with that Protestant Reformation, that renewal and revival of the church, you've, you would have, maybe you've heard of Luther, or at least you've seen Luther in churches, um, and uh, you, maybe some of you are aware of people like you know John John Calvin. But I bet most of you, if not all, never heard of Ursula Cotta or Heinrich Schaub. Anybody heard of them? I hadn't either um, until went to a little village called Eisenreich which is where Luther grew up. It's where he went to school, middle school and high school. And it was a boarding school. And the, the school there, the Latin school there, had quite some famous uh, alums because uh, um, he, he went there and, and so did uh, Bach, also went to that school. Um, but he lived, Luther lived with the Schaub family and the Cotta family. And um, Miss, Miss, Miss Cotta uh, would care for him and for her children. He would regularly be at their table and Neil became one of their children. And during those years in middle school and high school, living in those families, both of those families had a vibrant, living, deep faith in Jesus. That was, that was merciful and caring. And, and loving. Uh, Luther's upbringing with his own father was rather harsh. His dad was rather strong, iron-fisted kind of father that lended itself to God being an iron-fisted, rule-following God. 
But when he moved in with uh, the, the Shalbs and the Kadas, he, he experienced and was formed by a different kind of faith characterized by grace. And also around those dinner tables as this 8th grader sat there listening and taking it all in, they would speak about some of the abuses in the church. They would begin to to share with one another um, about what they heard from some other priests that were trying to bring reform or other monks. Without the dinner tables and the gatherings in the Schaub home or in the Kata home, you never would have had a Martin Luther to stand up. There, there are no heroes by themselves. There are no he- he- biblical heroes that just do it on their own. Now, there may be some of you here that are going to be like Moses, and you're going to be on the front page. You might be the mayor of the city in a decade or two. You, know, you, you, you might be the ones um, who are like um, Luther and Calvin, being real reform in your area of business. I'm willing to bet that most of us are going to be like Mr. Schaub and Mrs. Cotta, who in the eyes of heaven are just as heroic just as significant. Just the work that you're doing right now, pouring into the children that are under your care, as you are forming them in the ways of Jesus, in in what is right and true, you don't know what's going to happen in the next decade or two as God calls them. You you don't know in your your place of of business as you are working hard and living according to uh, the the ethics and the ways of Jesus, what kind of impact you're having both on your co-workers, your boss, those that work under you, or your clients. It's heroic in the eyes of heaven. Whether you're a Moses whether you're a Luther or whether you're a Ursula Cava. There are no Lone Ranger biblical heroes. Heroes need heroes in order to be heroes. Next, we follow along then with Moses. Uh, verse 11, that same chapter of chapter 2. <clears throat> One day, after Moses had grown up, He went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinsfolk. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one who was in the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? And he answered, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard about it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. 
Another thing about biblical heroes is they're not by themselves. They don't do it by themselves. They're not lone rangers. And, and they're not perfect. Matter of fact, they are flawed. Fatally flawed. Significantly so. Yeah, look at Moses here. I, mean, I think Moses, he knew. He knew who he was, knew what he was called for. He saw the injustice. But then he got ahead of God. He took things in his own hands. He became God in his own mind. And he did what God was going to lead him to do eventually, but he did it in his own way instead of God's way. And so that put him on a journey for about 40 years to go hang out in Midian. To there more develop in his relationship with God to be who God's called him to be and to do to do what God's called him to do the way that God's called him to do it. Moses got impatient and took matters into his own hands. We can do that, you know. We can do it in our own way instead of in God's way. We can get impatient or we can move out of fear or move out of anger instead of out of faithfully walking with God. Um, John Calvin, the other guy I was talking about, sort of the father of Presbyterianism, his, he was centered in, in Geneva, Switzerland. And he, he uh, led uh, the, the church there and the town there. You know, in those days, too, church and state, you know, church and the city government were very intertwined. And, and so there was city council, and it would be like half pastors and, and half magistrates. And the, the court system was sort of the, the same way. And, and so Calvin led uh, the whole church and the whole city of Geneva to, to a place of, of great prosperity. And, and beauty. And there, there were, we were told there were no poor in the place of Geneva and, and even a, a growing movement to help welcome the, the, the refugee. Now, they had to be Presbyterian because the city was Presbyterian. Those were the ways of the day then versus really being hospitable and welcoming. And that's part of the problem because there's this other guy named Michael Servetus who's another um, academician in the, in the church, a theologian. And, and he was teaching some things that the Roman Catholic Church of the day and the Presbyterian Church of the day and other churches said these are heretical because they were, it was denying the divinity of, of Jesus. And, uh, um, and so Servetus had been... Uh, sentenced to death by the Catholic Church. And so he went to Geneva to talk to Calvin. And there um, he was captured by the city council. He was tried. He was sentenced to death as well. And Calvin and the city council there had him burned at the stake. <clears throat> Granted, it's easy for us to look back 500 years and say, yeah, that was a bad move. It was a wrong move. And we can wonder how in the world would somebody who's a, uh, um, about the gospel of Jesus Christ act in such a way. But he did. And they did. Now, Calvin uh, wanted to be more gracious about it. His notion was we should just cut off his head, which is a whole lot smoother and cleaner than burning him at the stake. Uh, doesn't, doesn't bring me a lot of comfort uh, either, either way. But the point is, these are heroes. And they're fatally flawed. There is no biblical hero who has a sense of perfection or really even goodness about them. Neither do you. Neither do I. 
Jesus tells us that if we commit, if we lust for another, we've committed adultery if we're married. That if we hate another, that we've committed murder. Maybe some of you truly have committed murder. The amazing thing of biblical heroes is that does not disqualify you from being a hero in the eyes of God. And if you have committed murder, uh, you've got a companion here in Moses. It's pretty good company in the world of biblical heroes and heroes in the sight of God. That's the amazing scandal of God's grace. So if somehow or another you think or you know someone who thinks, hey, you know, I, what I've done, what I've thought, what I've said, that sort of just makes me a second-level Christian. That's not, there's, I'm not going to be a hero. You're denying the power of God and His grace and mercy. And you're wrong. What makes you a hero is not your own abilities or your own goodness, but it is the goodness greatness and beauty and power of Jesus who is alive in you. Biblical heroes, we don't do it alone. Always takes heroes need other heroes and we aren't perfect. We are flawed and broken but made whole. God bless you in Jesus. Alright, then look um, jump to chapter 4. <clears throat> And this is still with Moses before um, God at the burning bush. The video that we saw um, starts, uh, I'll start in verse, verse 10. But the, the, the whole, um, uh, in 3 and, and 4 there, you, you get what we, we saw in the video clip the, of the burning bush and, and God calling Moses out. And we're going to jump in, in in the middle of this and see Moses and God's interaction as, as God gets with Moses in Midian. Yeah, so he's left Egypt, he's been in Midian for a long time, and now God's saying, now you need to go back and you're going to lead my people. And uh, so verse 10 of chapter 4. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now, that you've spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, What of your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as God for him. Take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, Please, let me go back to my kindred in Egypt and see whether they are still living. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. The Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and went back to the land of Egypt. 
And Moses carried the staff of God in his hand. But what we see here with, with Moses is that biblical, biblical heroes are reluctantly faithful and dependent on God. They're faithful. They, he, Moses stays at the bush. He, he's, he's still engaging with God. He's not quitting. He's not leaving. He's still there. He's faithfully there. But even then, he's doing it reluctantly. It, throughout the conversation, we catch a piece of it there, but even if you look at it a little earlier, Moses is trying to talk God out of choosing him. You know, he's like, no, you got the wrong guy. This is, this is not me. Can't somebody else do it? And then he has a whole bunch of... Well, when they ask me what your name is, what's your name? What do I tell them? Well, what, what's going to be a sign for them so that they will believe me because they're not going to believe me? I can't speak. I, I'm, I, I don't know how to speak. So somebody else... Can't somebody else do this besides me? He's reluctant. But yet, ultimately faithful in spite of his flaws and his brokenness, his reluctance, his doubts, his fears. Biblical heroes reluctantly are faithful and dependent on God to be the one to empower and lead us to carry out the call that God has on us to carry out the very purpose that God has saved us, to carry out the very reason that, that God has sent His Spirit to awaken your soul, to awaken your heart. He didn't just do that so you'd be happy. He did that for a purpose in order to continue this journey of saving the world. It's not just for the Moseses of the world, but it's for the Ursulas and the Heinrichs, Sir Moses' mom and sister. It's like Moses did. Ultimately, he got to the point, okay, let's pack it in. Let's go. He went back to Jethro, to his father-in-law, packed it all in, said, all right, we're heading back to Egypt. In the midst of his doubt, in the midst of his disobedience, in the midst of his wanting to quit, in the, the, the midst of all of his, his fear, reluctantly, imperfectly, he then packed it all in and walked with God. Now, my, my uh, a question for each of us, each of us here, first off, is do you see yourself as a hero? Probably not. Probably don't. No, I'm not a hero. Well, you're, you're missing the sense of your calling and you're missing the definition of a hero. Especially if it's defined like with Moses, one who reluctantly, imperfectly, faithfully walks with God. It, it may be a roller coaster. It may be up and down and all the rest, but it's still with God. You're still walking with Him. In, in that case, as you are growing in obedience and love for God and carrying out the purpose He has for you, you're a hero in the eyes of God, in the eyes of heaven. 
So in what way? My, my challenge for you this week is to see, all right, where's the burning bush? They're around. They're all around. God has not sent Jesus to die for you, sent the Holy Spirit to empower you, just so now you can sort of float on the lazy river of life. He's gifted and empowered you to be a hero as well. One who imperfectly, fatally flawed, who is reluctant, filled with fear and doubt and uncertainty, but as we've been singing all day, but latching on to Jesus. Which means we go where He goes. And we do what He calls us to do, how He calls us to do it. And even when we, like Calvin, or like Moses, get way ahead of God, or even like others, when we run from God, we still come back, He still brings us back, and He's leading us forward to grow in obedience and love for Him and His creation. How's He calling and empowering you to be that kind of hero? Amen.